Good evening, and welcome to Sakamichi Nights. Welcome back to Tachikawa. You're listening to Sakamichi Nights, where every week we take one or a few beers from our lineup, we drink them, and then we talk about them a bit. My name is Matthew Boynton. What is your name? My name is Daniel Bellamy. How are you doing today, Daniel Bellamy? Yeah, good, man. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Did you enjoy your Christmas? I did, yeah. Why not? What Who doesn't you, enjoy Christmas? What did you do? Not a lot. Sat around in my pants and drank beer. That sounds like almost a perfect Christmas. It was great. What did Father yeah. Christmas have to say when he came down the chimney and caught you like that? It was like, this is my kind of party. Right. And uh, he sat down and we shared a beer. You shared, you shared a beer with him. Yeah, very in nice. our pants. What is the best book that you read this year? Ooh, you know, I reread a trilogy because uh, that I that I really enjoyed. I put a friend onto this series of books because I knew he would like it. And then when he was reading it, I read it again to kind of refresh my memory so that we could talk about it. Uh, it's uh, the First Law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Okay, Are you familiar with it? Uh, I am familiar with it, but I haven't read it. I know the author. It's excellent, and I highly recommend right. you read it. Uh, it's a series of fantasy. Do you want me to go into detail on is this? It, Was this a prompt? It's light Shall and I cheerful. Uh, no, it's none of those things. It's gritty and visceral and uh, unpleasant in a lot of ways. Okay. So I, I like I, I love this series. Uh, it, it's beyond liking it. I love it. And I, I love it for a lot of reasons. Uh, but the main one was when I when I first finished the third book, the first time I read through them, I was really disappointed and I didn't like it at all. And I was kind of mad, but it stuck with me and I kept thinking about it for a couple days. And the more I thought about it and the more I kind of mulled over how it ended and the character arcs and, and where everybody ended up, the more I realized that it was actually perfect. But the reason I didn't like it was just that it subverted my expectations of how I wanted it to end. Right. But in reality, based on the kind of, I don't want to give too much away, but based on the broad themes of the book and the way the characters exist and behave throughout the book, the ending fits everybody. Right. Uh, it might not be quite what you want, but it is perfect to who they are and who they become over the course of the book. And it's a series of books that has an ending that sometimes wary of these huge fantasy series that are like 20 books long and the, the author is still going and may never actually finish the books, may never actually wrap it up. Right. So as I understand it, he's writing another trilogy. But you could read the first law, three books, and be done with it and, and be satisfied. Uh, the interesting thing, though, aside from how much I like them and why I like them, uh, I like the style as well and I like his books, but uh, the the first book in the first law trilogy is the first book that he ever wrote. Right. And it's... How can I put this? It's not great. Okay. Uh, at the time, I was also reading the Patrick O'Brien, uh, Aubrey Maturin Which were amazing. novels. Yeah. And his... O'Brien's prose is incredible. Yes. Uh, and then I switched onto this, the Abercrombie series. And, like, in the, I almost put them down. And I, I rarely put down a book without finishing it, even when it's terrible. I almost put them down because it was kind of clunky and a little, like, just not very polished. There's a there's a fight scene right in the beginning of the very first book. And he writes these very visceral, intense fight scenes. But in this fight scene, the main character is kind of fighting for his life. 
and it, it, it's it's very descriptive and it's really well written. But then at one point, the, he the guy just goes, "There's just a line," and he goes, "He said." <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the middle of this like battle for your de- for the you know like your life is hanging in the balance here, and and you're you're clawing and scratching to try and stay alive. And it was just this the, like the most driest expression of emotion. Right. Uh, anyway, it honestly made me laugh out loud. So you're saying that the, the last one really disappointed you and the first one is terrible, but this is overall your, your highly recommended best trilogy of the year. Yeah, when you sum it up like that, it sounds ridiculous, but I, I do highly recommend the series. He rounds into form over the, the course of the first book. Um, I finished the first book and immediately started the second because I was so invested in, in the world and the characters. Uh, anyway, um, the point is that I reread those this year okay. uh, because a friend was reading them. I wanted to refresh my memory. Uh, highly recommend that series. I will for add all them, its fault, faults. Add them to my to-read list for 2022. Mm. Um, How about you? The Aubrey Maturin books are amazing. I've read the whole 20 book series, I think, three times now. Well, but they really get going around about book eight, which is a bit of a sell for some people. <laughs> the first seven are also amazing, mm. but they really start to take off yeah. at around about book eight. I, I've read through it once. I've been meaning to start it over again. But there are there's there's a few books in that series that I I rip through in a matter of days. Right, there's right. a couple that just like the first edge time. Of your seat. The first time, yes, it's just really exciting, and uh, the characters and the plot are really exciting, and, and it really pulls you along. The second time you read through it, you sort of you pick up on a lot of things that you missed the mm. first time around. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, there's a boat repeat characters or little bits that come back later or or perhaps bits of the Mm. plot that you miss because they're very subtly expressed and then the third time you read through it it's a bit like visiting with old friends Mm. and it's just a really comfortable and pleasant place to be yeah um those aren't my top three books of the year though because i didn't read them this year Mm. unlike most other years um i actually at the beginning of well the end of last year i made a resolution to read a book a month mm-hmm. in 2021 okay. so 12 books uh, i ended up reading 18 mm, which is not work. that many mm. but it's still a few as you know a family man yeah and finding time to read and so on yeah. but uh i i kept a note of all the books that i read this year mm. so i thought that we're not allowed to review beers on this show we mm. don't review beers no. we don't rank beers we don't. but this is kind of the time of year when people rank and review things from the year anyway yep. So let's look at some other things. And my favorite three books that I read this year were the first one, I think you might have read this. It's called Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. It's one of oh, the, yeah, Murderbot the Murderbot series. Yeah, sure. The most recent one. It's uh, a novelette, I guess, mm. quite a short novel. Yep. Won the Hugo Awards. All those books are extremely good. They're great. Yeah. And this one is kind of like Mur- Murderbot as Columbo mm. solving a mystery. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. The premise of Murderbot is great. Yes. It's a robot with anxiety, basically. Yeah. Uh, A robot who's on the spectrum. Yeah. And uh, hates interacting with people. But is very good at murdering people, but Mm. doesn't want to murder people. I can identify. (laughs) Uh, Also on my list uh, is a book that my brother gave me for Christmas last year, but I read it this year. It's a book called Impossible Owls by an author called Brian Phillips. Okay. And it's just a book of essays that are all really well written, uh, really vivid prose it really drags you into uh, the interesting stories that he finds so if you haven't read that i'd recommend it and third book also a sci-fi book called gideon the ninth mm-hmm. you read gideon the ninth i haven't no um i read quite a lot of sci-fi and it's quite unusual to come across something that's so vividly 
new and mm. unknown. Sure. Like a, a sci-fi universe that doesn't rely on any stale tropes. Mm. Uh, and these books were... The, the book was very confusing the first time I read it because there were a lot of names and concepts and so on, but it sort of dry, draws you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a, a really novel and interesting story mm. that it told as well. Right. So if you haven't read any of those, those are my three books of the year. Okay. Do you have anything that you would like to, to rank best thing, a top thing of the year? I was wondering, uh, obviously, with, with the year and, and the way it's gone... Uh, we haven't done a lot of travel and excursions and going out, but we have done a few little day trips and uh, and things of that nature. I was wondering, what was your best kind of day out that you had this right. year? Or it, maybe not best, but a memorable one that sticks out. It, it's true that it's been a difficult year for getting out of the house, mm. to put it mildly. So we have been trying to avoid the trains, mm-hmm. avoid crowded places, things like that, which... In Tokyo, crosses a lot of things off your list. Um, but I remember maybe in the summer, I had a weird day off where my family was away doing something else. And so I decided to go and do a little bit of trekking mm-hmm. in the mountains. Uh, and just west of here, um, there is a, there are a lot of mountains in the west of Tokyo. Um, as you know, lots of uh, people who've been hiking come in here for a few drinks yep. after they've been walking. They do. Uh, and I went for a, a brief walk around the Okutama area. Um, across a mountain called Mitake-san. Mm. I had looked it up online. I'd found the route, and it was it gave it a, a three out of five. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty easy. Mm. I'm sure I could do that. Yeah. And I made the classic mistake of not even getting there and starting until about noon. It was a bit is, of a, like, it was a sudden decision. It was a last-minute thing, yeah. Yeah, you hadn't I, planned this ahead of time. I have all this time. Mm. Let's just put on the boots and head out. Yeah. And by the time I had thought of the idea and found the route and got on the train, mm. it was already Some time had pretty passed. late. Yeah. Uh, and so I found myself sort of on top of the first mountain, four hours having passed and mm. not covered even half of the distance yet. And I was thinking, you know, I should probably get a move on here. Mm. And it was a really nice walk. It was really beautiful scenery. But the second half of it, I was almost sprinting right, <laughs> the whole distance to, to get down before it got dark. And I did just about mm. get to Okutama just as it was getting dark. Uh, coming down the mountain. But on that first peak, I actually ran into uh, another hiker. I was going to say, a, you left a child behind, didn't you? Not one of my haste. Not one of my children. <laughs> uh, I ran into another uh, Western hiker, uh, a British guy who was out with his, I don't know, eight or nine-year-old son. Mm. And I overtook them on the way up that first peak. Right. I think I even took a photo of them for them at the, the, the summit. Mm. And then I just left yeah and i kept going because i knew i had some time to make up and by the time i got down to, into okatama they were moving quite a lot more slowly than me mm. and it was dark right. by the time i arrived so i didn't know quite what to do and i ended up going and speaking to the police i went to the police box which is right at the end of the trail and said you know i'm a bit worried about these guys who i passed back there mm. the policeman was like okay well how do you know these guys i don't know them i I've never seen them before in my life. Okay, and where did you push them off the, the trail? No, no, no. Mm. I, I didn't murder anybody. Did you see them fall? No, none of that. I'm just slightly worried about them, which is not really a very helpful thing to tell the police, I suppose. But there's nothing actionable there. Not really. But then the next day, in a fairly extraordinary coincidence, I was on Twitter and I saw 
the photo that I had taken mm. of the man and his child on top of the mountain. It turns out that he's uh, a journalist here in Japan, and right. he had posted it on his. Right. Please save us. We're stuck on the <laughs> We're side stuck of the on mountain. This mountain. Yeah, batteries at 2%. British man ran off with our <laughs> backpacks and water. He ate all our sandwiches and then left. Uh, but yeah, so he, he did make it down safely. Mm. Um, so it was quite a, a coincidental coda to that story. Yeah. That was a nice day out. Yeah, it was a, it was a very memorable day out. Mm. What about you? Any particularly memorable or good days out this year? It didn't do a lot of big days out like a lot of people. And we did a few kind of uh, cycling things just from the front door. Rode up to Chichibu and, and stayed overnight and came back. We did the three-day thing kind of through Yamanashi. I, I think that that was maybe the first day of that I, I thought was really great. I, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, so we, we did it in pouring rain, uh, but I, I thought it was such a nice climb and a descent. I did it again, I don't know what it was, a, a month or so later, uh, to, to drop down into Kofu. And we found a nice little bottle shop, beer shop in Kofu, beer for nappers, uh, which had a really good selection. Yeah, uh, yeah, I liked it so much I did it again, uh, like a month later and in nice weather, and it was really great. I'll probably do it again sometime. You didn't have to wait for me to finish my cup of tea this time. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I left you like you left that poor British child. Right. Mm. Shivering and alone. Shivering alone in the cold. Yeah. So those are our, our recommendations. Um, either read some of those books or go for a walk and steal somebody's sandwiches. Mm. Yeah. We're not here to rank things, though, are we? And we're certainly not here to review things. Oh, no, that's not what we're about. What are we here to do today? We are here to celebrate beer. Excellent. What is the beer that we're going to be celebrating this week? Uh, the beer we're going to celebrate and talk about is Saving Daylight from Virginia Beer Company. Virginia Beer Company, one of our favorite non-Japanese breweries. It's fair to say. We, we like Virginia Beer Company. We like them a lot. We've had in a lot of their beer in both cans and on draft. Mm. And all of it has been extremely good. Could you pick a highlight other than this one? What we have in right now, the Double Elbow Patches, which is the Imperial version of their oatmeal stout, is really great. But the one that uh, blew me away when we had it was the Friends of Dorothy, Crazy right. IPA. That was a really good beer. That was a great beer. That and um, I think their One Night in the series. Right. Like one Night in Georgia, One Night in the Thicket. Mm-hmm. That was the one with raspberries. That yep. was extremely good. Um, they make lots of good beer. So why don't we taste this one and see if it is also good. So the shortest day of the year just passed. So I guess we're all saving daylight now. Mm. There's more and more of it coming. What do you make of this beer? Crisp is the word. Crisp is the word. Crisp is the word to describe this beer. Okay. Crisp and citrusy, I would say. Um, It's a wheat ale made with grapefruit peel and sweet orange peel. Mm. And Virginia Beer do a really nice thing, which is they list almost all of the ingredients on their website. Uh, would you care to read the name of this yeast for me? Chiswick. 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 Chiswick yeast. There's a W in there. Well, there is in the spelling, but not in the pronunciation. We might be coming back to this particular comedic gold mine later. This seems a bit misleading. It's Chiswick yeast um, with... Chiswick. Two row and wheat malt. 
and some nice centennial hops. Centennial is often used to accentuate a citrusy character. Um, so we actually use centennial in the Shibasaki session as mm. well to, to bring out more of the orange character of the Amarillo hops. How else would you describe this beer? You, you, it's, it's another one of those does what it says on the tin. You, you get a lot of, you can definitely smell the, the, uh, the orange peel and the grapefruit peel, I think. And then, and, and a lot of the wheat backbone as well comes through quite strongly. Mm. And then I, I think you, you taste that kind of the melange of those three things. Interestingly with using, with using peel, I find even in cooking is that you get kind of the the taste of the fruit and the sweetness of the fruit but there's also a bit of bitterness to it right yes and in this uh the bitterness of the peel provides a little bit of bite uh, on the back end when you drink it one of the questions that i often get asked by customers who aren't really sure what to order is what's something that's easy to drink and i would absolutely recommend this beer certainly um, for that um it's it's very easy to drink but it's also extremely flavorful so if you're new to craft beer, this kind of showcases what is good about it mm. in a very uh, accessible package, I think. And it's only 4.9%. You could crush these all day. Crushable. Crushable. Is that our Dan's word of the week, or do you have another word of the week prepared for us? You know, I had one prepared last week, and then we skipped it, yep. and, and so I didn't prepare one this week. So let's say it's crushable. Okay. This word of the week is crushable. Please use it in a sentence. Man, this Virginia Daylight Saving Beer Company is so crushable. Did I nail it? Nailed it. Great. Absolutely nailed that one. Uh, one take. That one was take. all it took. That's what they call me. Well done. One take Bellamy. Now, every week when we try the beer, we also try to pair it with something. We're going to back, go back to the wheel of pairings this week. And there are eight options that we're going to choose from. They are number one, food or cuisine. Number two, TV or movies. Number three, music. Number four, video game. Number five, location. Number six, activity. Number seven, drinking companion. Or number eight, wild card. Let's pair the beer. Number four, video game. What Can I just be? say, do you? Yes. it seems like we get a lot of the same ones when we do this. There are only eight options. We very rarely get drinking companion or wild card. Are these loaded dice? Would you like to just choose one then? Well, is, no. Is that what you're complaining about? No, I mean, I don't want that much control over my life. Right. I have to hand things up to the fates. Let's but... leave it to the dice. Yeah. Do what did think... we have? What was the first one? Sorry. Uh, the first one was video game. I re-rolled it and it was activity. I feel like we have those a lot. But yeah, that's fine. Let's go. Whatever. I, I feel like we have had drinking companion. I remember you saying you'd like to get in a bath with Winston Churchill and drink some beer with him. Yeah. I think you added the bath. I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure I just... It was said... a, you get in a bath of beer with Winston Churchill and a straw and just suck it all up. That was your pairing. I remember Is that what I said? Yes. 100%. Like gamer girl bathwater. Well, there's it. only one way to find out. You would have to go back and to listen to the episode, which we, we both said. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, sorry, what was it? Video games? Video games. Let's go. I'm done complaining for now. What's a crushable video game? Uh... You know what? I want to bust out the Intellivision yep. and play a Spy Hunter. Okay. What is Spy Hunter? You know Spy Hunter? I don't think is so. It, uh, you know the Intellivision, right? Are you aware of the, this game console? Really? I don't think it made it to Britain. It had a very bizarre uh, controller, right? which was almost like a TV remote. It right. had a number pad, like if you were holding it like a TV remote pointing it at the television, it had a number pad on top. And then it had like a circular 
uh, pad, which I guess was like a four directional kind of pad. Uh, and then the number pad had uh, like each game had its own little cellophane kind of thing that you would slide over the number pad, which would tell you what those buttons did for right, that game. Okay, right. Anyway, Spy Hunter was a, a game where you would drive a car and you had to, uh, you know, shoot the other cars, avoid oil slicks, this kind of business. You know, cars would come up behind you and you had to shoot out a, a cloud of smoke at them and things like that. I don't know why this game really stuck with me. The television was not a great system. Didn't have a lot of like great hardware, but I do remember was it Spy Hunter? I'm pretty sure it was Spy Hunter. Someone is going to jump on there and tell me I'm wrong, but uh, you know, uh, 9-year-old me remembers this being Spy Hunter on the Intellivision. Okay. And what is it specifically about this game that matches with the beer? Uh, I think it, it was a fun game that I played with my friends. It was kind of, you know, in, in the way that old school games were just, it was just the one thing to do. You where, crushed it with your friends. You crushed it with your friends, yeah. yeah. Or or you got crushed by it with your friends, depending right. on what the game was. You but crushed your friends with it. I, I could see some retro gaming with friends, uh, you know, just some light fun. There's no... You're not going to make me cry when some NPC dies because the story was really moving. You know, it's just like, okay, you're driving and you got to shoot these cars and avoid these cars. And that's the game. Spy Hunter. Got to yeah. catch them all. Yes. That yeah. The that's tagline. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to choose a game which won a Hugo Award this year. I think the first game to ever do that. Mm. Uh, it's called Hades. Okay. By Supergiant Games. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Hades recently. It's really good. Uh, you play the half-son of Hades trying to escape Tartarus to the surface to visit your mother. So it's a kind of roguelike run-based game. Mm. And the thing that I think would match is that each run is about 30 minutes long, which is about as long as I think I, it would take to enjoy a nice glass right. of saving daylight. Mm. So it would be perfectly paced. Uh, and you also need quite fast reaction times. So you probably don't want an 11.5% blueberry obsession mm. while you're doing that. It's going to slow you down too much. Right. You need something that's, that's sharp and crushable and light, mm. just like this Saving Daylight. Okay. The perfect match. Nice. Is it a is it a full is it a full roguelike? Is it a roguelite? Oh, explain the difference. Is there any kind of uh, ongoing progression or is it full reset each time you play? Like okay. you start from zero every time or is it like you do get some upgradable stuff that right. carries over? It's a roguelike then because you restart from zero every time, but you carry through like some improvements to your character. Okay, right. You start yeah. from the, the levels are randomly generated mm. every time. So okay. You have to yeah, start right. from the beginning every time. Mm. I like a little bit of progression. I don't want to just go back to zero every time. That is the other thing that I recommend about Hades, is mm. that it is a roguelike, which I usually don't like, but you are always moving forwards in it. Mm. Like every run you do, you move something forwards, even if it's just meeting new characters or advancing the plot mm -hmm. a little bit. It's a really fun game to play. I All recommend right. it. Well, check it out. Won a Hugo Award. And we've been inundated this week with thousands, thousands of listener questions, mm. from which I have picked just a few. For us to answer. Right. Um, so the best. Only the best. Thank you to everyone who got in touch. Uh, and I'm really sorry if we don't have time to get to your question. But please do understand that you know there are there's just not enough time before mm. the heat death of the universe for us to answer all of these questions. Mariah Carey wrote in some great questions, but they just didn't just didn't make the cut. All I want for Christmas is for you to answer my questions. Yeah, which, which was a great email. intro. 
but to be fair, not good enough. Not good enough. So if we're answering your questions, know that you beat Mariah Carey mm. to the punch here. Let's start with Joe from Ishikawa, who, who wrote a few questions. So he really did knock Mariah Carey for six here. The first one, Newcastle Brown Ale or Coors Light? For drinking? For anything. Mm. For grouting, for cleaning your drains, for causing cancer. Well then. <laughs> uh, Coors Light. I, I'm going to assume this is for drinking. Coors Light is awful. Yes. It's horrific. Correct. Uh I believe, and this may be unfounded, but I believe that Newcastle Brown Ale is better than Coors Light. Yeah. I think the only answer to this question is no thank you. Can I have a Saving Daylight from Virginia Beer instead, please? Right. Neither is Newcastle these. Brown Ale bad? I, I have had it before, but not for many years. Um, it's not appalling, but it's not good either. It's very commercial. It's very commercially mm. produced with lots of kind of chemical adulterants. And right. It's, it's not very good for you as beers go. Question number two. Best beer for beer batter? I don't have any idea. What kind of beer do you want for beer batter? I would say that the whole reason you're using beer is because you want those little pockets of carbon dioxide in the batter, right? It makes it more crispy and crunchy and light. Really? It's like okay. you would use soda water for making tempura sometimes. Hmm. So you want something that's not particularly strongly flavored. You don't want something really bitter mm. on your nice light fish. And you want something with a lot of carbonation. So perhaps uh, like a, a continental lager or a, a saison mm. or something that's very highly mm -hmm. carbonated, but also not particularly bitter. Right. That's what I'd recommend. Interesting. Question number three. Would you rather eliminate all green vegetables or all other colored vegetables? All green vegetables. Joe clearly has a plan here. What are your top three vegetables right now? Right now? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big vegetable guy. I like all vegetables. You are a big vegetable guy. I, I will. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to eat pretty much all vegetables. But if I had to get rid of all green vegetables or all other... Do you ever make a, like put a salad together or something and then just go like, man, this whole thing is green? I would yes. like to be rid of that emotion forever. Okay. So it's just the tomatoes in the salad. No, I feel like, you know, if they were all... If they vanished tomorrow, then... Other colored things would, we you know, Say somebody goodbye, would turn broccoli. up with purple lettuce or something. There's there's Dan kicking the broccoli into the volcano. Is it, do I do I get to throw it all into a volcano? You Is have to. You have to. Then that's fine. Then yeah. I mean, I'm on board either way. But goodbye, kale. So long, cilantro. Oh yeah. No, I'm sticking with my answer. It's fine. Okay, fair enough. All the greed boys. Right. Final question. This one. You're he not wants... just skipping that one. Uh, I, again, I'm going to say that as long as I can keep sweet corn, it's fine. So sweet so corn, the green then. Sweet corn's green on the outside though. Like it has green leaves. Oh, the husk. Yeah. Does that have to go? We're opening up a whole new yeah. philosophical can of worms here. This is like a whole Tomatoes start off green and then they turn red. Right. Yeah. There's, that's, there's this a, is a, that's probably enough. A lot to ponder here. <laughs> Final question. He wants us to compare how we would read this sentence. So why don't you go first? I feel like this is like me saying it is what is what we're looking for here. Uh, well, let's find out. Uh, the buoys on the quay side are made of nougat and are wrapped in Finley Quay's aluminum. There you go. Is that what you wanted, Joe? Uh, I'll read it now. Uh, the boys on the quay side are made of nougat and wrapped in Finley Quay's aluminum. Choose which one of those you liked. 
Thank you very much, Joe, for your wonderful and very thought-provoking questions. Next question comes from Kevin in Oklahoma. Hi, Kevin. Hope you're well. Hope you enjoyed Christmas and are looking forward to New Year. He asks, what is your favorite food recipe that includes beer and or what is your favorite beer to consume while cooking? You did some cooking with beer recently, didn't you? I made a a cheesecake with Old Rasputin in it. How did that turn out? I have to say, in answer to what is my favorite food recipe that includes beer, it's a cheesecake with Old Rasputin in it. It was glorious. Hard to to top that. It was great. I I don't cook a lot intentionally with beer. If I'm cooking and drinking beer and the beer belongs in whatever I'm cooking, I'll put it in. But it's not... Uh, it's generally not the focal point. It's just a little for me, a little for everybody else. A little something extra to go in there. I do the same thing with wine as well, right? Wine goes in a lot of things, so a splash. Very Keith Floyd of you. Mm. One for you, one for the pot. Yeah. Um, I might say a nice Guinness stew, mm-hmm. like a nice beef or mm. lamb stew sure. with some, some dark beer in it. That would be extremely nice. But there when I'm pies like that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a beef and ale pie. Mm. Um when I'm cooking, though, I would probably prefer a nice glass of cold white wine. Mm. It's very cosmopolitan, I think. And it's, it's quite refreshing. You don't want to be having something that's going to take your mind off it when you're cooking. So I like something just light and crushable. Interesting. I go the oppo- opposite direction while cooking. I want something that's going to be uh, a slow sipper. So I right. often drink red wine uh, and I like big kind of heavy, full-bodied red wines, or... It's quite uh, hot in the kitchen, though. But you want something cool and refreshing? I don't find it gets that hot in the kitchen. Okay, maybe not in your kitchen. Yeah. You're just preparing salads all the time. That's it. There's all the green stuff. Um, or, I, 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 yeah, I like to drink slow-sipping things and things that can stand to warm up. So I like stouts and, and dark beers as well while cooking because I want to, you know, you might get involved with the cooking and be away from it for a while. So something that's going to stand and, and be okay to, to warm up or be at room temperature for a bit is, is nice, I think. Fair enough. Final question. This one comes in from Krishna in Tachkawa. She wants to know, well, there are a few things here. First, what is your most memorable beer of 2021? What is your best memory from the tap room this year? And... What has operating during the state of emergency taught you? So she doesn't say best beer, but rather most memorable beer. Mm. We can do that. We're not rating the beer. We're just saying which ones stick out in our memory. Right. What's your most memorable beer of 2021? Uh, there were there were I think three beers that when I when I drank them like from the first sip it kind of made me go wow that's a great beer. Ooh. Uh, probably more than three, but off the top of my head. And we, we covered our best beers before, but uh, the Friends of Dorothy, which I, I noted earlier this episode, which I, I forgot about when we did our best beers of the year, but that one definitely, when I first drank it, I went, man, this is a great beer. Uh, Lupulin Nectar, the yeah. hazy double IPA from Y Market, was the other one that drank that and went, wow, this yeah. is great. And uh, the other one that that knocked me for a loop when I first tried it was Campfire Stories from West Coast Brewing. Right. Uh, dank, uh, what was it? Northeast, Northwest style IPA. Those are all extremely good beers. Mm. And I think the thing, especially about the Friends of Dorothy was that because we drink quite a lot of beer, like if you just see the style name, you kind of know what to expect. So it takes a little bit to, to, to surprise you. 
or to uh, to be more than what was expected. Mm. So perhaps it's a bit like the book Gideon the Ninth. I knew I was going to be reading a sci-fi book, but mm. I wasn't quite prepared for how wild it was going to be. And I think I had the same reaction with that Friends of Dark. It's like, no, I know what this is, but then I taste it and I go, oh, wow, no, that's, yeah. that's greater than the sum of its parts. That's more than what I was expecting mm. from a beer with this style. And that was really good. But I think the most memorable beer for me, I think this was this year, was the the one that we went all the way down to Wakayama to make. Mm. And we spent uh, a few days down with our friends at Noncraft mm-hmm. making um, the golden kiwi, which didn't have any kiwi fruit in it. Mm. Thank you very much. Didn't um, have any kiwi birds in it. Didn't have any kiwi birds in it. Didn't have any gold in it. Mm. Uh, but that was just a really memorable and fun experience. Uh, and then getting to, to drink the beer as well a month later was uh, was really special. Yeah. And, and I really enjoyed that. This year. Mm. It was great. What about your best memory from the tap room this year? Uh, I strongly remember, I think, the first weekend of our one-year anniversary mm. party um, because the weather was absolutely atrocious on that day. Remember, it was absolutely bucketing down. Mm. Uh, and yet, still, a good, strong crowd turned out loads of great people we had a great time mm. and some of them even brought cake with yeah. our logo that's right on yeah. it, which was really amazing mm. so thank you very much to everyone who turned up for that event uh, i made it a really special day both of the weekends were mm. really great uh, and i'm looking forward to our second anniversary party yeah in uh, in march next year mm. yeah i was thinking about our first anniversary as well we held it from weekend to weekend right basically over a a nine-day span, so as not to say, hey, it's these two days, everybody ram in here at the same time. Right. Uh, it, it's kind of nice that we found it in March because, yeah, the first day was, was bad weather, but but it's it's a nice weather time of year yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, we did have some really nice sunny days, and the world's kind of uh, emerging from its winter hibernation, and it's a great time to, to come out and have some beer and celebrate with us. So that was really nice. And, you know, we, we like a lot of places in this industry, it was a tough year. So to, to get to March and be able to have people in the tap room and, and celebrate with us, that was really great. Uh, we also recently had a friend's birthday celebration in here. Right. That was really good fun as well. And also just kind of made me think about what like what we can look forward to in the future. It was just nice to have a lot of our friends in here, uh, good music going and a, and a good crowd of people and everybody kind of mingling and talking and having a good time. Uh, that was a really fun night as well. And I look forward to, you know, we haven't had anybody, uh, we've had some people kind of inquire about booking the place out and things like that. And we haven't really done anything like that, but I, I don't know, that seems kind of fun, like a big party with a big group of people who all know each other. Uh, having a good time, enjoying some saving daylight or whatever else we have on the menu. That was a really fun evening. Mm. And uh, yeah, as you say, we can look forward to future ones. Uh, Maybe your as yet unborn children's 20th birthday parties. Something to look forward to in here. Who says they're unborn? As yet unborn. As yet un-20-year-old. As yet un-20-year-old children's. Last question that Krishna had. What has operating during the state of emergency taught you any specific things any specific lessons that you have taken from operating over the last year and a year and a bit of interesting circumstances 
all kinds of things that we could delve into, but I think the main one is just that we can do this thing. Uh, we opened up this business not knowing how it was going to go before everything kicked off with coronavirus. So right. there, there was already a question of like, are is this going to be successful? Are we still going to be doing this in a year's time? Are we going to be completely underwater in six months? Um, still haven't so answered any of those questions. I feel like uh, the fact that we're still here, uh, what, a year and a half in, more than a year and a half in now, a year and three quarters in, we're doing okay. Uh, the fact that we've been able to do this under these circumstances during this, the, the lockdown and state of emergency and everything tells me that, that you know, this craft beer thing might go somewhere. Who knows? It might have legs. Mm. It remains to be seen. Um, I've been asked uh, a few times recently if, um, you know, what, what I expect to happen next year with regards to Omicron and future lockdowns and everything. Mm. And I have to say that I just have no idea. I don't know. And I think that's perhaps one of the lessons here is that we have to be comfortable not knowing what's mm. going to happen, yeah. not putting in place concrete plans for how next year is going to go, but rather staying agile, being quick to react to things, mm. thinking things through carefully, trying to make the best decisions in the moment, yeah. but also understanding that things are going to happen and we can't really control mm. that. We just have to control our reactions to that yeah. as best we can. Speaking of 2022... Thank you to everyone who wrote in questions. Speaking of 2022, do you like to make New Year's resolutions each year? Is that something that you do? I don't. No, I don't do it. I tend to make goals rather than resolutions. Okay. So I mentioned mm, that semantics. one of my goals for this year was to read a book a month mm -hmm. and to exercise once a week right. and stuff like that. So rather than just saying, I want to exercise more or I want to be a better mm. person, I'm going to set some concrete goals. Right. Do you have any goals for 2022? Um, no, not really. Just the tangible. I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I the the thing about New Year's resolution or New Year's goals and things like that to me, I feel like if you want to do these things, then then you don't need a time to do it. You can just do it. Yeah, you can just do it anytime. You can set yourself goals at any time, and this is kind of a time of year when we look towards the future and the past yeah. as well like uh, your friend Janus, Hugh, uh, and think about what we want to achieve. Like it's, it's time to just kind of take stock. So my goals for this year were to exercise once a week, mm. to read a book a month, and to make four things. Mm. And I never got around to making anything, really. I guess you, if you, unless you count the bench we that made, you put outside. We made beers. I did make beers, but that's kind of my job. My right. job is to make beers. Okay. Um, so you made people smile. I make people smile every day when I leave. Not me. Yeah. Um, so I would like to roll that one forwards. I, I had in mind kind of woodworking projects mm -hmm. or perhaps, you know, a piece of art or something I might right. like to make. Um, but just things got in the way and I mm. ended up not doing it. So but yeah. I would like to do that. That's my goal for next year is to make four things. Uh, last year on January 6th, I think it was, I... Uh, I decided to do a hundred storm the capital storm the capital. Yeah, I guess it was that day, wasn't it? Uh, January 6th, I decided to do a hundred kettlebell somethings every day for a hundred days. Yep. Uh, and I did it and it was good. Yep. Um, I might try something similar to that. 
I've also been flagging a bit in my Japanese study, so I might try a similar thing of 100 days uh, study every day kind of deal. 100 days study every day. Sounds good. Yeah. I look forward to hearing the results. But I reject the paradigm of New Year's resolution slash goals. Okay. You're just going to improve your life constantly. You're in a kind of Kaizen state of continuous iteration. Just because iteration. I do it at this time of year right. doesn't mean it's part of what everybody else is doing. It's, it's not a paradigm shifter. Yeah. I'm not with you guys. Nevertheless, we would like to wish all of you who are listening a very happy New Year to say thank you very much for listening to Sakamichi Nights. Absolutely. Um, for all the episodes we've made so far. And we hope that you continue to listen in 2022 to more of our nonsense and to, I'm guessing, all Japanese episodes in the future. Oh, yeah. Your absolutely. studies continue to progress. Just give me 100 days. So thanks very much for, let's say, the year that was 2021. Mm. And let's hope that 2022 is a lot better. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you in 2022.